Good morning and welcome again. We're so glad that you're here today. It's a beautiful day and hard to believe fall is will soon be ushered in and so we look forward to a great fall here. We're going to be looking at Psalm 130, the passage that was read a moment ago, Psalm 133 and 4 as we think about the theme, making peace with yourself. I want to begin by asking you this question. Are you at peace with yourself? There are a lot of folks in the world today that have a lot of turmoil. And they have a lot of internal issues. And one of the real problems is trying to reconcile their past with the present. And so what I want to do today is talk about the importance of making peace with ourselves. To live in peace. To enjoy, as Paul would say, the peace that passes all understanding. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the reputation of a sinner. Because one of the reasons why some folks have difficulty living in peace is because of their past. And even though some have been forgiven, they find it very difficult to forgive themselves. And so in light of that, let's talk first of all about the reputation of a sinner. And I think about the destructive past of those who live in sin. Now, the psalmist said many, many years ago, if you, Lord should mark iniquities or take note of iniquities. He asked this question, who could stand? But then in verse 4 he said, there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And so first and foremost to know that forgiveness is available to everyone. That we have the opportunity to put our past in the past. Now we talk about the destructive past of those who live in sin. First, I think about the stain of sin. Sin has the ability to soil the life. There are times when we talk about living in the muck, the mire of sin. When I look at the New Testament, I think about a lot of folks that struggled with sin. In John chapter 4, we read about that woman from Samaria. And Jesus said to her, You've been married five times. The man you now hit, the, the man that you now have, he said, You're living with. In John chapter 8, we read about the lady taken in adultery. In Matthew chapter 9, do you remember the disciples chided? or rather the religious people of that day, chided the disciples of Jesus because, as they said, your master eats with publicans and sinners. Those who were publicans or tax collectors, they had, they had a poor reputation among folks. And then you think about those who were just living in sin. Paul, in recounting his past life in 1 Timothy chapter 1, talked about how he had been a persecutor, a blasphemer, 
an insolent man. He did a lot of things. As a matter of fact, Luke says that he made havoc of the church. And so he was doing a lot of things that were contrary to the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he sought to bind those who were followers of the way. And so there are a lot of people that, quite honestly, have been stained by sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul talks about those who had lived in adultery, idolatry, fornication, homosexuality. He referenced those who had been thieves and drunkards and revilers and extortioners. And so the gospel is for people who are in sin, for lost people. And so we talk about our past, first and foremost, the fact that there is the stain of, the stain of sin, and then what about the shame of sin? There are things that probably all of us have done in days gone by that we're not proud of. Do you remember in Luke 15, the prodigal son, the Bible talks about this young son going to his father, asking for his inheritance? And Jesus said in the narration of that parable that this young man went out into a far country and there wasted everything. And so, the Bible speaks of him losing everything, no one giving anything to him. And so we find him out living among the swine, the pigs, the unclean animals. Imagine how degrading that would have been for a Hebrew. And sometimes because of things we do, places we go, things that we have gotten caught up in, there's a sense of shame associated with that. And I would point out that Sin has the ability to humble you. It can hurt you. And it can humiliate you. But then there is another aspect of the reputation of a sinner. And that has to do with the disappointing past of those who live in sin. You know, one of the things that comes to my mind is... When we engage in behavior that is unbecoming of who we are and what we are, then we let a lot of people down, don't we? How many people down through the years have disappointed their family members because of what they've done? Don't you think the prodigal son disappointed his father? You think about the shame, the humiliation, the hurt that is inflicted sometimes on family members. Whether it be parents, a spouse, a sibling, grandparents, and sometimes, yes, those of us who are parents and grandparents, sometimes we hurt our children and grandchildren, don't we? Because of our actions. And then there are occasions when we disappoint our friends sometimes because of things that we do we are a major disappointment to those people that are very close to us and that have been supportive of us so the reputation of a sinner but there's a second thing I want you to see and that is the liberation from sin because 
The psalmist said, There is forgiveness with you, O Lord. To know that we can be forgiven no matter what our past. Let me just begin by talking about the price for sin has been paid. And I would say it has been paid in full. No down payment. No earnest money. No future payment on sin, but rather it has been paid in full. The Bible tells us that Jesus redeemed us by His blood. We talk about the redemptive work of Jesus, the fact that He shed His blood to save us. There are many passages that allude to the blood of Christ. Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 7 that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, John talks about how that Jesus loved us and washed us from our sins by His own blood. And so to step back and think about the blood that was shed on Calvary was shed for us, wasn't it? Peter said, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but rather we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish, who verily was foreordained before the world began, but was manifested in the last times for you. And so Jesus Christ was that lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was, as John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And so, the redemption that we have through the blood of Jesus. But then secondly, we have been reconciled in the body of Jesus. There is reconciliation to God. You see, when people sinned in the garden, that is, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what happened was, physically, they began to die. Spiritually, they died. So there was a separation. God began unveiling His redemptive plan to save the human family. With the announcement of the promised seed, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And God began unfolding His redemptive plan, ultimately culminating in the Christ, the Messiah the one of whom the angel of God said to Joseph in a dream, that he would be born of Jesus, and it is he that shall save his people from their sins. So there is reconciliation. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So you think about man on one hand, God on the other, and Jesus in the middle. And Jesus bringing us together, reconciling us where? In the body. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, that we have been reconciled, that Jesus has reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body through the cross. Now somebody might ask the question, what's the body? Well, the body's the church. And so those who are saved are in the church, aren't they? Because Paul said in Ephesians 5, 23, that Jesus is the Savior of the body. Now, we talk about the price 
For sin has been paid, and as I said a moment ago, it has been paid in full. But then pardon for sin has been promised. And there are a couple of things I want you to see here. First of all, there is the remittance or remission. We can insert the word forgiveness of all sin. And I would accentuate that word all, A-L-L. God has the ability to forgive every single sin. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul talked about his past? And how he talked about how he had did those things, how he had done those things rather, ignorantly in unbelief. But he said, The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Paul understood the need for forgiveness. Now the Hebrew writer said, with regard to the covenant under which we now live, he said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. So God has the ability to forgive. The psalmist in the long ago said, there is forgiveness with you. So that means whatever you have done, whatever is in the past, is basically in the past, isn't it, once you obey the gospel? Do you remember Saul of Tarsus was instructed by Ananias to arise, be baptized, and wash away his sins? Acts 22, 16. The people in Corinth who were identified as adulterers, idolaters, fornicators, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Paul said, such were some of you. So they had been cleansed by the blood of Christ, had they not? They had been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. They were reconciled in the body of Jesus. And so they made up the elect of God. Now, God has the ability to forgive, to remit, to remove all sin. But there's a second thing you need to understand, and that is, not only is there the remittance, the removal, the remission of all sin, but God said there will be no remembrance of any sin. And I would accentuate that word, any. Listen, if you would, to the Hebrew writer. He said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. What the writer is saying is, look, whatever you have done in the past, however deep you might have been or you might be in a life of sin, when God forgives, when God removes the sin, He no longer remembers it. He purges it from His memory, so to speak. The psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so God purges all of our sins. So you think about your past for a minute. And think about how sometimes people struggle with the life of sin. And there are a lot of people in our world today, they have the idea that because of 
what they have done because how, of how deep they are in a life of sin, there's no way, number one, God would have them. There's no way that God, number two, would ever forgive them. And then number three, there's no way a God in heaven would ever love them. Well, the Bible says God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look, the Lord didn't come to save righteous people. He came to save sinners, didn't he? So whatever you have done, wherever you've been, whatever you've said, whatever might be outside the will of God, God has the ability to forgive, doesn't he? It's a great, it's a great thing. Now, there's a third thing I want to call attention to. And that has to do with the temptation of a saint. Because sometimes, after we have obeyed the gospel, after we have become a child of God, there is a tendency to harbor doubt. In other words, there are some obstacles that we face with regard to doubt in our own mind. Those obstacles from my vantage point, are internal and external. Internally, how many times do we ask the question, whether verbalizing that question or silently asking it in our mind, how many times do we ask, but what if? What if, what if God really didn't forgive me? Sometimes we have difficulty reconciling in our mind what we have done and what God has done. And so there is this big question mark, what if God didn't forgive me? How many times as a Christian have you asked God to forgive you of the same sin over and over and over again? The sin that you had asked God to forgive you for Days ago, months ago, years ago, but it's still a part of your DNA, isn't it, spiritually speaking? It continues to give you trouble. <clears throat> you just can't reconcile in your mind how God in heaven could ever forgive you. And you struggle with that. And look, I get it. Because there are people that, think about Paul. Look at his life. Here's a guy that was a modern-day, well, he was a church wrecker. He was destructive. He talked about the disciples. He said, look, when they were put to death, he said, I cast my vote against them. When Stephen was put to death, guess who was there? Saul of Tarsus. You think about the misery and the hurt that he inflicted on many, many Christians. And yet, Paul would say, that he was instructed by God to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins. Cleansed by the blood of Christ. Don't you think the Apostle Paul could appreciate the words that he penned in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? When he said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Look, I am a new person in Christ. That old person, gone. Never again. Do I have to look at that old person of sin in the mirror? 
because I am a new creation in Christ. In John chapter 3, when Jesus talked about the new birth, and we talk about how many people in our world today, if you were to ask them to be very candid, are they happy with where they are in life today? You know what they'd say? Absolutely not. For a lot of people, they would say, if I had the opportunity to go back and do it all again, I'd do it again. When Jesus talked about the new birth, he wasn't talking about a physical birth, he was talking about a spiritual birth. So when we are spiritually born again, when we are baptized into Christ, we come forth a new creation in Christ Jesus, which affords us what? New opportunities, a new life. We've been redeemed, haven't we? As the psalmist said, there is forgiveness with you, O Lord, that you may be feared. So, internally there are times when we live in doubt externally sometimes there are forces on the outside that won't let us forget what we've done in the past the prodigal son you remember him do you recall when he came back home his older brother became angry didn't he Jesus had said that when that younger son came home, the father ran, fell on his neck, kissed him. He had compassion on him. He said, this my son was lost and is found. He was dead, but now he's what? He's alive. And you can just hear the grumbling older brother when he said, your son, this your son, has wasted your money on harlots. How many times have people been forgiven? And you might be here today and you have been forgiven and you, are, you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're a new creation in Christ but there are people, friends, family members, other people that won't let you forget what you did in the past. Well, let me tell you what, God, God doesn't remember it anymore. He's purged it, and so should those who are externally around you. So there are people that sadly will not let us forget. So we talk about obstacles of doubt. Internally, sometimes we question in our own mind, did God really forgive me? Did He really wipe the slate clean? Externally, we've got these voices outside that are saying, you know what? You're still that same bad, bad, bad person. But then note if you would, how then do we overcome the doubt? The psalmist said, there is forgiveness with you, O Lord, that you may be feared. Two ways. Number one, can we not be assured of God's forgiveness? Now you ask the question, how in the world... Can I genuinely walk away from here with the assurance that God has forgiven me? Well, Paul in Titus chapter 1 talks about God who cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18, the Bible says, It is impossible for God to lie. So what did God say? God said, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, 
and you willingly repent of your sins as was announced to those people in the city of Jerusalem on Pentecost Day and you are baptized into Jesus Christ every single sin is forgiven so really the question is do we believe God do we believe what God has said about forgiving us Paul said look we live in hope of life eternal which God who cannot lie promised before the world began Paul said it's in Christ that we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins to the church at Corinth Paul said look you people that have lived in sin you have been washed you have been sanctified you have been justified what's he saying he's saying you are a new person in Christ so the question is can you live in assurance that God has forgiven you of all sin of any sin and the answer is yes if you have done what God said to do then God has forgiven you and if you're a child of God and you have stumbled and fallen the Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous and he is before the throne of God and he is pleading our case on behalf on our behalf the basis upon which we enjoy forgiveness is the blood of Jesus so in first in first John chapter 1 verse 9 John said if we confess our sins he is faithful listen to that he is faithful and just to forgive us so you're forgiven. So, the assurance that God has forgiven us, and then secondly, this is a hard part. Well, maybe they're both hard. But secondly, accepting God's forgiveness. In other words, processing in your mind the fact that God in heaven has forgiven you. You see, sometimes it's difficult for us to forgive ourselves, isn't it? it? Look, it's the case. When we do what God says, God forgives. And it is the case that sometimes when we wrong other people, they genuinely forgive us from their heart. So the problem is not with God, it's not with our fellow man, the problem, with, the problem is with ourselves, isn't it? Forgiving ourselves. Recognizing that, look, God has forgiven me. So now it's time for me to do what? To forgive myself, isn't it? To let it go. There are a lot of people in the church today that are carrying around a lot of baggage a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of agony because of their past. And they have been forgiven, they've been redeemed, but they just can't let it go. They're not living in peace. They don't have the peace that passes all understanding. So, I want to encourage you to rest assured. If you have done what God said to do, you are forgiven. And secondly, I want you, please, 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 to accept the forgiveness that God has extended to you. Look, He's forgiven you. It's time for you to forgive yourself.
to let it go. That really is the temptation, isn't it? There are a lot of people in the church, I promise you, that struggle with this lesson. They have a tough time with it. So it might be the case that, yes, you have been forgiven, but you don't have any peace in your life. What I want to encourage you to do today is to make peace with yourself. To say, you know what, this is the day, today is the day that I'm going to make peace with myself. And whatever's in the past, you know what, it's done. Now, it might be you're here today, you've never obeyed the gospel. And you have a shady past, you've got a past that you're not proud of. And maybe you've been saying for a long time, there's no way God would ever love me, no way God would ever forgive me. Well, let me tell you what, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached the first gospel sermon, he pointed out that the people who were present on that occasion had a part in crucifying the Son of God. And when they cried out and asked men and brethren, what shall we do? Here's what Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. In other words, for your forgiveness. Now, if God was willing to forgive those who took part in the death of His only Son, don't you think He will forgive you? The answer is yes. God stands ready to forgive. The question is, are we ready to come to Him? Now, it might be that you are a member of the church, and you don't have any peace in your life, and maybe you have... Maybe it's the case that you're not living like you should. And you know it. Your family knows it. Your friends know it. And it is gnawing at you day in and day out. So you don't have any peace. Well, what's the remedy? Here it is. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James said, confess your faults, your sins one to another. Pray one for another. Why? That you may be healed. Let me tell you what. Peace is a beautiful thing, isn't it? And you have the opportunity today to make peace with yourself as we stand and sing.